Hey everyone, I'm Kanal Bajwa. And I'm Lance Jordan. We are two nerds who decided to start a podcast in 2020 due to the pandemic. No topic is necessarily off the table, and we'd like you to join us in hearing our thoughts on various topics, ranging from anime to Zeppelins. We have it all. Here, Here we, we go. go. All right. And here we are with another edition of They Need a Hobby Podcast, starring your truly Lance Jordan and my yeah. lovely co-host, Kanal Bajra. Bajra? Bajra? Bajra! No, it's uh, Kanal. Kanal. <laughs> Just Kanal. It's like Beyonce. All right. <laughs> you, you dropped the last name. <laughs> you dropped the last name. Just Kanal now. I'm going so low. I'm broken from my family. Destiny's Child is done. We're <laughs> all good. Man, I haven't talked about Destiny's Child in forever. It's been some time, hasn't it? It has. It's been my childhood since that's happened. Yeah, it's always been about Beyonce. But um, we're not here for Beyonce. But um, we're not. I don't even think we should. Keep, I, I don't know if we should keep that in or not. Because <laughs> oh yes, yes, it's very different from what we're talking about today. Oh. But how are you, man? It's been a while. Yeah. How was your holiday? Oh, it was good. I was actually um, drinking whiskey and hanging out with some friends oh, in uh, Kentucky. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got away, grew a nice, full, healthy beard. Everyone has been loving this beard, and including myself. I, I want to put that. It's just, I never knew I could grow a thick beard, and all the white people love it, too, man. Like, yeah. They just are like, oh my gosh, I wish I could grow your beard. And I'm like, man. I, yeah. <laughs> you know you made it when... When white people give you compliments. <laughs> exactly. When you find the white approval. <laughs> but, but, but seriously, though, I really do like this. It's really, I can actually like think about something and stroke my beard. Yeah. Like, it's great. I'm going to maybe trim it a little bit just because it's getting a little longish. But I don't know. I'm contemplating that. What was it on Family Guy where did Peter grow a beard or like a mustache and he was like, you get nunchucks or something <laughs> once you grow? That sounds right. I That sounds very much like Peter Griffin. I mean, if it's not that, he's he's just saying roadhouse and roundhouse kicking someone. So. Right. So, yeah. Absolutely. So, we're here today for um, just an episode with us two, you know, no guests this um, podcast. They just need us. A guest or bonus. That's, hey. There it is. Yeah. So just us, and we're here to talk about, you know, this brand, this company, these people, this concept you introduced to me, um, this group known as 8711. Yeah, like, the reason I wanted to do it is because, like, one, it's tied into uh, a lot of different, like, there's so many streams yeah. that you go into for this. It's like martial arts, cinematography, directing, uh, stunt performing, kind of tied into like everything just summer blockbusters in general yeah in a way yeah, oh tremendously especially for this group and they've people have been interviewing them like it's they're not not unheard of but i at the same time uh i feel like more people should be talking about them and i'm like you know fuck it i have a podcast why don't yeah. we why don't we just talk about them there and like why they're so uh interesting and everything also how are you doing i forgot to ask you that oh we're going back to me. Um, I'm doing great. Um, I'm glad. You know, my beard has already been here. So Your beard is very well kept, I will say. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I noticed it today in particular. I did cut my hair, though. Yeah, you got the... I don't know what you got, but you got a good haircut. Yeah. And, you know, in my circles, we call this a fade, but um, I don't know what everybody else calls it. Oh, okay. But... Oh, it is a fade. <laughs> oh, my bad. My bad. My bad. This is why I just go to my, my hairstylist, Marcy, and I just like, make me sexy. And she's like, I got you. 
And that and that's all she wrote, huh? That's all she needed to. Yeah. All right. So eighty-seven eleven. You can Google it, and you find that they're connected to some of the biggest like movies, blockbusters, if you will, mm-hmm. of the summer. You know, Jurassic World. We remember that movie, right? TMNT. The the newer ones, the not newer the version, not the nineties version. Um, John Wick, Fast and the Furious. I mean, we just had Fast Nine. Yes, we did. I heard there was something going to space in that one. Hey, man, that was a that was a wild ride. Um, no doubt, loss of oxygen as well. But uh, <laughs> I mean, we could do a whole podcast breaking down <laughs> what was real and what was fake in Fast Nine, but we're not here for that. Not today, um, at least. Yeah. But I wanted to pose this question to you since we're like delving into this topic mm-hmm. of when was the first time you ever realized films use stunts. Uh, the first time I remember like hearing the word stunt double was <laughs> it, it's it's a it has the story has Kunal written all over it. He was watching a Disney movie mm. and Disney Channel. That's right, original Disney Channel original, and it was luckily Irish. And apparently there was a I remember thinking back to the movie that there was a couple like random parts where they you know, use Irish magic and uh, <laughs> certain things do like they do competitions or like he shows up uh doing this and that and i remember like watching and enjoying that movie and then the credits roll and i see something that says stunt double and my mom's Mm. right there and i'm like what's a stunt double he's like oh you know that's when they have someone stand in for the actor to do like a like a backflip or something like that and i just remember being confused because i was like well the entire time i saw this actor do (laughs) do this movie right i was very confused um Around that, so I was like circa ten or twelve years old. Yeah, yeah, around that time. I think for me, and um, I could be wrong, but um, if memory serves me correct, the first time I like really realized it was with um, Rush Hour. Um, Good you stuff. know, Jackie Chan. We might get into him a little bit later. Sure. Talk about you know his influence on stunt doubles, you know, stunts in general. Oh yeah, but. I remember, like, I don't know if you remember, but, like, movies back in the day, like, in the 90s, early 2000s, um, you know, after the movie was over, they would always roll the credits, and then, like... Especially for his films. Yeah. He loves doing that. And then, like, show, like, the cuts, like, the things that, you know, they either messed up on or, like, they missed a line. Yeah. But I remember seeing those back in the day for, like, comedies. Like, and like, oh, they just messed up lines and they had to shoot it again. Yeah. But I remember in like some of those with Jackie Chan, like he was actually performing a stunt and it was like, okay, he messed up. So we got to shoot it again. Yeah. So he runs things and we'll get into this later, but he runs things a lot like the 80s and 90s did in the Hong Kong cinema days, like the Shaw Brothers kind of era. And they would run every... Like, if you did not get this take, you had to do the entire take again. Yeah. Uh, and that's why, like, his movies are great. But then you look at the, uh, I don't know what that thing is called, where they, like, uh, they have the block and it just, like. Yeah, the cut. The cut, yeah. The, yeah. The, the cut thing, whatever yeah. it's called. It's, like, the black and white stripe thing. And it says, like, scene four. Um, <laughs> yeah. Scene four, uh, 10 minutes, take 207. Right. And I'm not joking, like, there have been takes that he's done, like, that much wow. just to get everything going. That's the same, but I could see him being a perfectionist in that way. Oh, but yeah. Like, There's a, we could do a whole podcast, let alone, forget an episode, we could do a whole podcast on Jackie Chan. Just like, on Jackie Chan. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, it was just, like, 
you would see some of these stunts even back in the day where it was like man that looked like that shit hurt yeah and it's like i couldn't imagine them doing like this too many times or like even the actor being involved because like you said you know i seen this guy he was the one who received the punch and flew out the building <laughs> like i like i couldn't fathom that there was somebody else that you know looked like the actor enough to the point where they could like do some cutting and um you know work their cinema magic yeah to make like, it look real sometimes it's completely real sometimes they wear padding yeah uh sometimes they wear a wig and then yeah. like yeah or they look enough like that one character and so they're just like okay yeah go for it just yeah. go and do it yeah it sucks <laughs> <laughs> and it's awesome at the same time yeah absolutely so if you know if you guys haven't gathered um so we're talking about you know 8711 and it's about this group that performs stunts right whatever you have seen them if you have seen any summer blockbusters right. in the past in the last, 10 years yeah at last least 10 years, easily and um i think um you know when you first proposed this idea to me um and i'm going to make this point and um you know tell me if you know if i'm right in it like sure um so at first when you were proposing this um i was like i took it i kind of looked at it like an album like a music album if you will like you said you know this is this group who's informed in like all these you know movies blockbusters whatnot Mm. and it's like okay in an album you know you could pick your favorite artists um you know i care about you know kanye rapping or you know whoever whoever album it is right whoever your favorite artist is you really like as a casual i guess person you really don't think about too much who's behind the scenes you really don't care as much so i'm like why would i care well this was before i did my research okay to be ignorant why would I care about the stuntman? Like, you know, why do I care? But what was revealed to me is, and I, we've already talked about it, they've had their hand in everything. And I think... I'm nodding profusely <laughs> right now. Yeah. I think that's the um, the whole point, And this is why we wanted to bring this to you guys, the listeners, because if you can think about a movie you've enjoyed, and, we'll, and I'll just name the big one. Um, that they really just been involved with is like John Wick. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you enjoyed that, then you enjoy them and you enjoy their work. And what you find is a lot of um, a lot of their movies they're related. Like, oh yeah, you can't escape them. You can't escape them. And it, it, actually, I like the example of thinking thinking of them as like a as like an album cover mm-hmm. because I mean, think of the Wu Tang Clan. Everybody has had their own career from that group. Yeah. And everybody has kind of influenced or worked mm-hmm. with other people. Um, in fact, I think Riz has actually worked with some of the people we're going to talk about. Oh, yeah. This is interesting wow. that that whole uh, example and stuff came about. Yeah. So, it's it's just cool because, like, everybody kind of knows everybody. And mm-hmm. when you get to really, like I mentioned in uh, a couple episodes ago in my martial arts one, when you get to high, really high-level um, skills – the pool of human beings shrinks mm-hmm. just because it's such a commitment. And then you realize, okay, the world's a pretty small place when it comes to all this stuff. So, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like, it feels almost like, and I could be wrong, but I, it, it almost feels like you would have to know them because it feels like they cornered the market in a way. Especially this group. Yeah. yeah. 
uh and that's why i wanted to do an episode on them because i feel like they never they, they haven't gotten enough uh praise mm-hmm. like there hasn't been a documentary that's come out about them as yeah a, like as of no yet. netflix special there's no netflix and we've and there's been great documentaries that have come out recently right. on netflix um one in particular like quincy jones the black godfather i could go on and on but yeah so when you propose like who the hell is 8711 i was like you know why do we care but then like going into it it's like okay these guys have like really made something of themselves they really like and you've known them without knowing them right and it's like they take in even and then they've evolved in their craft as well right oh tremendously what we find out is like they were stunt you know kind of just doing stunts Mm -hmm. little side gigs here and there in, in roles and then you know now we're directing now we're producing you know they they just didn't settle for their position they're yeah, like marked out niche absolutely that where like them. Yeah. like a studio could have just and i think you made this point off air was like the studio could just grab them and be like hey just do these stunts yeah and that's your role in the movie they're like it's like calling a plumber right it's like okay we need you to come in and fix this stuff i don't care what you have to do here's the money get mm-hmm. it done um whereas like Okay, like you need to consider like the construction of the house. You need to construction like how old it is. Uh, what kind of pipes are you buying? What kind of equipment are you buying? Are you cutting corners? Like if you're going to cut corners, you're going to have problems down the road. And this is definitely the property management side of me coming out too. <laughs> but um, but yeah, like that, that's what uh, that's the whole point in that Chad was trying to make. So um, before we go any further into eighty-seven eleven, um, I thought this was just kind of like some things we could talk about like the history of stunt doubles stunts yeah. you know i'm gonna use those words interchangeably like stunt double stunts yeah whatever and i'm what you know what i found interesting enough was like and then also to do your own research because you know we might present some pretty off the wall yeah not 100 percent correct fact because like that's another thing about the stunt community that we'll cover later a lot of it like there's the taurus awards yeah that recognize them there's no oscar category to this day for any stunts really yeah there's like action sequences and like stuff they they've done in movies and whatnot but like never for stunt performers which i find mm-hmm. really weird and because of that i i was researching like today like because i couldn't find a straight answer of like why stunt doubles aren't known only really hardcore nerds know ray park right or the people we'll mention out here okay but i was just thinking um so you know the first early i guess documented stunt double was in the 1900s. I think that's interesting considering how long, yeah, you know, cinema's been around. Yeah, late, late 1800s, early 1900s, yeah. And then, like, to even be paid, like, so in this movie called um, The Count of Monte Cristo. Monte Cristo, yeah. Canal's gonna pronounce all my words. <laughs> um, so, like, the director, Ma. like, paid Frank Hannaway, like, $5. Oh, my God. <laughs> Just $5. I mean, sure, that's a lot more back then, but still. Right. (laughs) But then it was like, even like I was like running, you know, Google University. I was like, what was like a dollar back in like 1908? And Mm -hmm. there was like, that's equivalent to like basically 30 bucks. Oh my God. Okay. You know what I'm saying? 30 bucks. To risk your life. Yeah. Right. And you have to imagine like back in the day. Yeah. They weren't as advanced in having like ropes to like catch you and padding. Yeah. So just imagine like $30 today, like to go do 
hey, Kanal, go jump off your balcony. Right. And like, and, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you know, just, uh, be careful. Right. Land on your feet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're a cat, right? Like, it's all good. So that was just like something interesting, like a, like a interesting fact about stunt men, stunt performers, like just to see how far they come and like even how really how recent they are, or at least documented how recent they are. Oh, yeah. Anything further on like um, anything in the history of stunt men? Um, yeah, a couple things. So then you have like stunts, like like you're talking about, like uh, mm. jumping off buildings, like going down ropes, doing all that stuff, explosions, demolitions. Yeah. Those are stunts. And then there's also fight choreography, if you want to call it that. So like mm-hmm. the examples I always give are like the John Wayne fights, where it's just like, you know, one shot uh, either from his gun or from his hand and like the fight's done. And yeah. and then then you like I was watching Buck Rogers and the thirty one and a half first century or whatever like the old sci fi show and they have uh, like fight choreography on on there and it's mm-hmm. it's laughable like even look yeah. at like the fights and I say with the biggest air quotes on Star Trek the original series <laughs> like you might as well just like it, it, Mad TV made the best fun of it where it's like they had just people three people line up and Kirk would just go like. Uh, double karate chop on their shoulders and then just do a right hook and he would walk down the line and do that and that's yeah. basically how they looked there was not a lot of patronage for stunt doubles in terms of mm. any any protection uh for for that stuff and also just like uh, they're like they're not gonna give you money to perfect your school we need to worry about the story we don't care about this stupid fight right yeah and you can even like imagine like even early like 90s films or like tv shows where like you would see you know maybe that actors like fighting but it would be like fists flying in the air and you could like tell i mean walker texas ranger is a great example like he punches somebody and they like go the other direction (laughs) and i'm like ah okay granted there are some good fights in that show i will say that like power rangers like if you think about the original one that's a good example yeah like you could just tell like they would not even come close to striking the person and then they just go flying and flipping all throughout the air. That was off tangent. That's okay. But it's all good. Going back, so we're going into eighty seven eleven now. So we're going into it and I think it's important for us to like really dissect the two main guys. Yeah. The two guys that helped formed it. The two guys that are the heads of it who really put it together. And we'll definitely give uh, everyone else who's like the honorable mentions and people who mm. really made it happen that stick out in the research that I've done and, and Lance has done. Uh, so the two guys are Chad Stahelski and David Leach. So I'll talk about Chad Stahelski in the first place. So Chad Stahelski is a, is a absolute beast. Uh, mm. As with everything in my podcast, it always goes back to martial arts. This guy was the number one uh, demo partner for Inasano for a long time. So Inasano, Dan Inasano is Bruce Lee's top student and mm-hmm. then co-created Jeet Kune Do and then now runs, well, will be starting again because of COVID and whatnot uh, next year. Mm-hmm. So he like Filipino martial arts, Indonesian martial arts, uh, everything is he, he, uh, he takes, dissects, runs his own. So like uh, French kickboxing, American kickboxing, mm-hmm. Thai boxing, uh, everything's taught there and he's He's met everyone from the Machados to Capoeira instructors. Anyone who's anyone in the martial arts community knows his name or has met him at some point. All right. He's also had a he's had a very interesting life. There's a whole episode I could do just on him in terms of like 
the people he's met. Like I've been to the Academy out in uh, Marina del Rey and you see pictures from like Kobe Bryant, Mr. T. Hmm. Um, what's his name? Uh, dude has a mustache. Burt Reynolds. Uh, <laughs> like that's a very, <laughs> very long list. Very descriptive. Like the the girlfriend in Austin Powers, Tia C- uh, Carrier. Hmm. Uh, like everyone in in like cinema and fight choreography and uh, martial arts has crossed paths with him at some point. Okay, the guy's like pushing eighty five, I think now. Okay. So yeah, Chad was uh was a big shot out there. And he was like one of his main instructors uh, was a guy named Bert Richardson. Who like uh, so we're recording this podcast in July, so I actually got to meet this guy. Super nice guy, super down to earth, chill. We learned a bunch of him. He had a bunch of stories from his mm-hmm. days, like uh, just uh, learning from old Filipino grandmasters. And also, he was a stunt double, in, like in a couple small roles here and there. Okay. That was he wasn't credited for and stuff like that. Oh yeah, you just background fighter number one. Yeah, or he like he was like just holding a gun in one scene, <laughs> and he just gets killed later, and so it's right. kind of like that. <laughs> But yeah, he he uh, was one of the main teachers for Chad, and I, I after the first day, so there was two days, four hours each day, and I was like, hey, I gotta ask you, like, uh, I heard you trained a guy named Chad Stahelski. He's like, oh yeah, dude was totally focused, super nice guy. I I trained him basically for free because he was you know strapped for cash and stuff, but because he was in college at the time. Yeah, he was yeah you know, just you know a broke college kid, and he's right. like uh, he's like no, I, I trained him for free. I didn't accept any money from him, and he just had nothing but glowing reviews to talk about him. Uh, specifically, he said he was one guy that was just focused and knew exactly what he was going to do. Hmm. So, yeah. Did he say, like, even back then, he kind of had an idea that he was going to be in Hollywood, though? I don't know about Hollywood. Like, more so uh, from the, the research I've been doing, he's more into martial arts. Like, right. he has a whole early MMA background. Here's the thing, though. Like, when every time I talk to people who like like say that he had a background, he was definitely known for shooto or shoot wrestling, which is a Japanese version of catch wrestling, pioneered by actually a wrestler, uh, Satoru Sayama. I don't know how well you know the Japanese wrestlers. Okay, like a pro wrestler. Yeah. Okay. He developed it, and his top student was a guy named Yori Nakamura, who then went on to work with Inasano. Inasano then you know teaches it to everybody there. Since Chad was around that time, he's one of the highest ranking people on the globe, mm. not just in the country, on the globe. That's insane. Okay. Yeah. Uh, dude is a beast. The only record I could find him, ironically, yeah. was his loss, was his one loss. Like we were talking about this off air. Uh, I've heard people talk about how he had a career in, in pro fighting, but since it's the early days of like Pride and Shudo and uh japan and stuff like that they probably it's harder to find those now if you find them please send them my way i'd love to see them but so i we thinking the record got lost somewhere somewhere they just didn't take him in the first place he doesn't like he hardly talks about it he just he's more of like uh, i kind of did it and it was done um there's there's video of him training a guy too it was it was interesting no underground fight arena, you don't think? No Baki? No. <laughs> <laughs> no underground? No, no, no underground uh illegal tournaments uh that I know of. Um but he has worked in uh, he's been he's been around the block in that way. Uh it's it's interesting also, like I I'll drop his name to other instructors in the Inasano world and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they'll kind of give me a blank stare. The very, like it's very odd is because now he's pretty much associated with movies as we're as we're talking about yeah. now 
But then I've talked to really, really senior people and they're like, oh yeah, I helped have pads for that kid one time. And oh yeah, this this guy was there back in the day before uh, before this guy was the demo guy for Inasano. I was like, oh yeah, I remember him. But it's very it's very interesting to me that the Inasano community doesn't know more about him too, or like a lot of them don't remember him, or kind of like use him as a flagship, if you will. I I would think like I'm kind of surprised they don't. Like that's that's part of the reason I'm also doing this. Like we need to know who Chad Stahelski is because literally every time. Uh, he does a movie. He would bring Keanu into the Inasano Academy and learn mm-hmm. to train out there. Yeah. So, so that was like yeah his first connection into the movies, wasn't it? Like yeah, Keanu Reeves. He would come in and do the stunts for him. Correct. So this is how it kind of happened. There's a guy named Jeff Amata who I well we'll touch on when I talk about David Leach, but we're already into it, so let's go for it. Mm-hmm. Jeff Amata is. He was a big stunt double. You'll recognize him in the background as uh, as a bad guy in Blade. He actually did all the choreography and training for Blade. It's kind of funny. The original? Yeah. Like the... Okay. Um, I was going to... Oh, my gosh. Wesley Snipes. Like, <laughs> you were going to blank Wesley Snipes. I blanked on his name. <laughs> and surprisingly, Wesley Snipes is a big Inosano guy, too. He's yeah. trained with him a bunch. So, yeah, he was he was the guy. And so, he became the bridge for chad and david to kind of uh get more people into movies get more stunt doubles that he knew who were well trained into movies and i've actually met jeff amata super nice guy very short i did not expect him to be shorter than me and i was like oh my god if you can be this cool i can be this cool (laughs) and so yeah uh very down to earth Mm. very good at what he does uh no one i've heard say anything negative about the guy is super talented one of the one of the senior guys in the academy too Okay. Yeah, total badass. Uh, worked on the Bourne movies. The other guy, not Chad. Jeff Amata. Okay, Jeff Amata. Yeah, sorry. Jeff Amata also worked with uh, worked on the Bourne movies. Okay. Chad gets his first start with The Matrix. Um, yeah. Working as Keanu Reeves. Yes. Originally feels like he wasn't going to get the job. Yeah, he wasn't really interested in it, actually. But um, it was a lot of timing and just, uh, honestly, luck that he... And just a change in decisions that he decided like yeah you know I'll, I'll go ahead and do for it so he was the stunt double for the matrix mm-hmm. for keanu at that point okay. uh, also i forgot to mention this but he was good friends with brandon lee for the crow he actually after yeah, that's another he, one. he did all the stunts for brandon and also did a lot of stand-in stuff uh after unfortunately he was uh killed accidentally so they were apparently really good friends too he's definitely just been connected to basically Keanu Reeves, his entire career. Oh, tremendously. As a stunt worker. So the Wachowskis uh, pick him up from the Matrix, and he uh, he works for them for those three movies as Keanu's double. So he did all the acrobatics. And keep in mind, Chad is like 6'1". It's hard to do gymnastics when you're that big. He was taking all the flips and stuff. They used the wire work and everything. Uh, but what was most interesting... Chad really cut his teeth on The Matrix because it was directed by a legendary Shaw Brothers, Hong Kong era, Wu Ping Yuan. And when I say legend, it's underrated because he has this huge career in Hong Kong. Right. Uh, you'll recognize him if we're calling back to, to Jackie Chan. He made Drunken Master. Yeah. He made... Uh, Jackie Sna- Chan's breakthrough movie. Right. He made uh, Snake in the Eagle Shadow when Jackie Chan's like 20 years old or something. It's super goofy. Uh, he's so young. And uh, he also did uh, Fist of Legend with Jet Li. 
Okay. Yeah. So he worked. Yeah. So he, those are the kind of movies he's, he's worked with. So they did a lot of wire work in the matrix and they were able to Chad and David were able to work with them and gain a lot of insight and like how much to use that for like later movies, how much to use that for themselves. They, they really got uh, some good exposure and they remained good friends. They actually did a movie later called man of Tai Chi where uh, Wu Ping came on and worked on the project with them. So like 15 years later. You touched on a lot. Doing some little bit of research, I know the motorcycles, acrobatics, scuba diver. So were these skills that he was just, you know, picking up along the way and just didn't have intention on really putting them to the film, or did he just like so what I'm happened? In this yeah. films, let me. He was saying in the interview. So there's a eighty-seven uh, eleven artist behind the action is a podcast, and this is where I found a lot of my information from. Mm. One of the guys who works for him interviews him. And asked him, like, you know, what? why did this come to be? And so he basically said he did a lot of stunts, not fight choreography, when he first started. Mm. So his big breakout role is The Matrix. But previously he did uh, a lot of a lot of work that required all the stunts that you found here. So like fire burns, air rams, ratchets, acrobatics, scuba diver, precision driving. He actually owns a bunch of different uh, motorcycles. Right. He's really, he really is into like that. enthusiast. Oh, yeah. tremendously. And also he, he was the uh, masked fighter in Kung Pao into the fist. The mm. roots of 8711 actually begin there. A lot of the people who he works with end up becoming, working with him for 8711. Okay. Uh, so he actually has a big comedic side to him as well. Yeah. And what year was that? Uh, 2002. 2002 that's where the seeds kind of get planted that's where the seeds kind of get planted for like in terms of connections and everything like that uh and also where you see his comedic side so that's fun okay. all right so then the other guy is a is someone named david leach and so a lot of the information i'll i'll uh, relate this time is is very similar you've already heard it from chad uh he went to university of minnesota and he's he's initially from the midwest i believe uh, he chose the University of Minnesota to take, a, I believe, a teaching degree out there, just to be close to an, a certified Inasano instructor called uh, Rick Fay, who I've heard of, never gone to a seminar. It's always just conflicted with my schedule, but he runs an affiliate school out in Minnesota, and it's a really, really big one. Uh, while he's there, he makes kind of uh, crazy connections, specifically if if you're big into MMA. You've probably heard the name Greg Nelson. He's a big MMA coach. And when they were coming up together, they were actually taking a lot of grappling skills and incorporating it from what they learned from the Inasano community and messing around with that a bunch. When he goes to the Inasano community in the summers, he meets Chad there. And that's how they became friends out there and everything. Uh, he also is where he meets Jeff Amato. Okay. Bonding over the martial arts. Right. Exactly. So David, he you know he's kind of double for a lot of I would say like high profile like oh yeah um celebrity martial artists so like definitely the Van Dams uh, he did Brad Pitt on Fight Club now that was an intense movie where yeah just fists so that's the thing too he actually trained everybody on that too he uh, oh, wow. or like he was one of the big guys that trained someone something important to note whenever there's there's usually like like for example if you have like Captain America fighting mm -hmm. in the Marvel movies like there's one main there's usually like two or three stunt doubles uh they usually switch out but typically it's like you know 
it's usually not just one person, but it's usually one or two. But he was the one of the main guys for for Fight Club and trained everybody there. Worked with another guy named Damon Caro, mm-hmm. who worked on Three Hundred, Wonder Woman, a lot of DC movies to this day, actually. Yeah, and they were both in the Inasano Academy at the same time. Inasano, you know, Academy just seems like it's popping out all these martial artists that Hollywood is just taking advantage of. Oh I mean, my god, in a bad way, but but just like know. cherry like, you know, taking all the talent from there. I mean, that's that's why I wanted to do this episode because I was mm. like, how is no one else seeing this? How is no one else talking about this? And it's funny for a 29-year-old who runs a podcast with his friend, but you know, like I, yeah. I just I'm kind of surprised more people don't know about it. And I know it's niche, but it's still really cool. So, as he's doubling for Van Damme in in the movie In Hell, because he also worked for Van Damme, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Chad calls him and says, yeah, "Send a tape. I want you to. I want you to come work on this new movie." And he's like, "What's the movie?" He's like, "It's called The Matrix." So it's here where he meets the Wachowskis. It's here where he meets Wu Ping. Mm-hmm. And as uh, I, I don't think I said this earlier, but the Wachowskis are also big fans of Hong Kong cinema. Wu Ping, there, there was an interview with him. Wu Ping was like. Yeah, I don't know how they found my number, but they called me and I was like, nah, I don't want to do this. But they pleaded with him and like basically restructured everything just so he could come on. And he was mm-hmm. like, okay, fine. <laughs> it was kind of funny. And Wu Ping's also known for his humor as well. And so when David was called on by Chad to come on for The Matrix, he doubles for Agent Smith. Okay. Yeah. So this is how like, this is what made the action so good. These guys know each other. They've trusted each other. They've come up together. Mm. that's why those fights between him and neo work so well and i feel like um basically without the martial arts none of this would have happened oh tremendously yeah and it was also just a lot of it was happenstance too just like meeting the right people that's the theme of that's life yeah that's the that's that's the theme of life (laughs) oh you said it beautifully there that's that's so true a really big movie so this is actually one of my one of my stories that I first got to know about David Leach, I was I was watching Atomic Blonde, you know, awesome movie, right? With Charlie Theron. Yeah, and she it's based on a comic called Cold Cold City, hmm. and it's, uh, set in the about to, the Berlin Wall is about to fall, and it's all like spies and everything, hmm. over the top spies. Oh yeah, let's be very clear. Oh yeah, there was nothing. There was like there were there was minimal stealth. But that's, yeah, they, that's they the, were they were not <laughs> stealthy. They were they were really hot. That was really about it. Right, and th- that's totally fine with me. As the fights are going on, I was like, "Oh, these fights look really good." Like, there's there's a there's a really big uh, one like oneer fight scene near the end of the movie. And uh, when that was happening, I was like, oh, "I was like, I finished the movie," and I was like, "Oh, let me look at the you know like the director's cut or something like that, the director's commentary." And there's this guy who pops up and, he's, and he says, oh, yeah, this move right here. And I noticed it, too. I was like, oh, this is some knife work. I was like, this looks like stuff I may have done or practiced before. He's like, oh, yeah, we call this return to sender. And I did a double take. I had to, like, rewind it because no one else has ever said that term outside of my training. Mm. And so I was like, who the fuck is this guy? So I looked him up. His name is David Leach. And that's how I got to find out that he's, you know, uh, part of the Inasana community and everything from there. So that sparked this entire thing, his entire section from there. Also, when you're watching the behind the scenes on there, all of the stunt guys are wearing a Marvel Civil War hoodies. So they were the same team on the Marvel movies too. Yeah. So yeah, 
Lance is seeing me just light up like a Christmas tree right now. And I think that goes to my earlier point where it feels like these guys are like kind of cornering the market in a way. But it feels like there's a little beauty to how they choreograph fights. Um, and you pick up on it because you kind of, at this point, you can kind of spot the movies um, Yes, they direct and produce. And um, I don't think we got straight to this point yet. But, you know, at this, some point, they form 8711. Yes. And, you know, they go from just the stunt guys to the extras. Now they're directing, they're making films. And like you said, Atomic Blind with one of their films. Oh, yeah. Chad was like, this is more your style. Go and do it on your own. So he became from second set director, Mm -hmm. who was someone that they phoned in like a plumber to like completely taking over the movie. And like, no, I care about the story and the action just as equally. One thing I want to add. So like when... So it's circa 2007 ish, the 8711 forms, and they run it like the they run it similar to the Shaw brothers. So the Shaw brothers would actually have a whole building, and I, I found this out from watching a documentary on Netflix called Iron Fists and Kung Fu Kicks. It's really digestible, really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Everybody's on there, um, from Michael J. White to Jeff Armada, and they talk about how the Shaw brothers would basically. It was not as pristine as I'm making it out, but they. They basically made them all live in the same building, train mm-hmm. together, and that way they could keep an eye on them. They wouldn't, you know, go off and get drunk and stuff like that. They would just be focused the entire time. And them being such big Hong Kong uh, cinema fans of the 80s and 90s kind of run it similar. Yeah. I, I've heard there are places you can sleep in the facility. I, I think there. I would be surprised if they didn't have that. But for the most part, everyone trains here. Everyone hones their skills. Everyone trains with each other. And then they teach the, the actors that are going to play the movies, uh, their characters. Right. So it creates a whole bunch yeah, of trust. Scenes. Yeah, You're building up skill and trust with everybody there. Too. Absolutely. Yeah. And then one of the interesting things, too, you know, we talk about them being secretive, but, you know, they have their own podcast where they're kind of introducing us to the basically the members of their team. Yeah. It's been quiet recently, but yeah. uh, ever since COVID hit, they've oh, taken yeah, yeah. they've taken everything a huge kind of shut down. Yeah, everything kind of shut down. They haven't started up again, uh, which is sad because I love hearing about their stuff. Uh, interesting fact: the guy who runs it, his name is Kale. The, the podcast, I mean, mm. and he is he actually shows up in Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, as a background character, they kind of just look at him, and he's impossible to miss. He's like the tallest guy in the scene. And it's where um, Statham and the Rock are like chained up by the bad oh. guys. And they look at this really tall guy. He doesn't say anything. He just looks back at him. That's the guy who's running the podcast. So Okay. Yeah. That's really awesome. See, that's that's what's cool. Like You, you find out these little tidbits and it, it gives you so much more of an appreciation and understanding yeah. for what's going on in the background. Because they're giving, they're giving a lot of their members a chance to like, and I use the word eat as a term of like, everybody's profiting. Oh like, yeah, you know. They, oh yeah, they're doing one thing, but then they're doing one thing behind the scenes. But another thing too, with just um, I think with the earlier point with the Atomic Blonde, it just feels like now that they formed eighty seven eleven and they're making movies, a lot of their um, fights just seem really crisp, and there's like almost a beauty to it. Yeah, that um, other movies maybe that didn't use eighty seven eleven, like it didn't didn't have like if you look at Hobbs and Shaw. And how they do their fight scenes. It's a little bit different from like even like some of the 
maybe the earlier um, Fast and Furious where they weren't involved. Right, yeah. As far as fights, they're not as fluid. I think they come on around like six or so. Right. I think. So if you look back at five, it's a little more, a little bit more raw. Yeah. And then like even with, um, I think this is what attracted people, a lot of people to uh, John Wick in a way was how, even though how gruesome it was and bloody, but it was like almost like a beautiful poetry. Like you could see like, you would go on YouTube and you'd be like, John Wick highlights on how you kill people. Yeah. And then it's like, like, he's using actual like grappling techniques. Like there was an, uh, there was an interview with him and Chad, the Keanu and Chad, like getting mm. interviewed by somebody. And they said like, what was the setup for this? He's like, well, you know, we're going to save a bunch of money because the budget for John Wick 1 was terrifyingly low compared to the, the other two. Well, I, I imagine by this point it's. Yeah. It's on the level of a Fast and Furious movie. Right. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I misunderstood. I mean, as far as budget. Yeah. Now at this point, it, it totally yeah, is. Yeah. But because of that, they're like, well, we're, we're going to have to, you're going to get beat up and you're going to have to train, do everything with everybody. And you can tell like, okay, these are actual like judo moves here. These are actual mm-hmm. grappling techniques. So. It's also a point to, I think they make, I don't know. It might be a subtle point, but um, even as the fights go on. There's almost like a realistic tone to it. Yes. It's a cleaner shot. Yeah. It's kind of like, yeah. it's like almost unrealistic in a way that the main character can like go rounds with like a group of henchmen and not take some type of like damage. It's, yeah. It's like but, you come out perfect like in like in the Batman games. Yeah. Like it's not how, like, yeah, they show them getting hit, especially in like Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, yeah. In the, in the last fight scene. And then um, I think we also beat to kind of like the detriment of yeah. kind of the the style of these movies, right? So, like, um, when I was doing the research and, you know, find out they did John Wick, they did um, Atomic Blonde, um, Hobbs and Shaw. These are all movies they directed, by the way. Yes. And then um, even um, Deadpool 2. Mm-hmm. I start to see like the similarity. You start to see the same thing where you go, like, and mm-hmm. that's what's like for me. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I can recognize this, but then I'm like, ah, it's getting kind of stale. Like right. at the same, as excited as I am about this episode, like that is yeah, one of the yeah. drawbacks I I see potentially happening. And I'm the thing is, they could totally change it. They just need to change it. They yeah. could they could totally mix it up. I think it's a a point to. Like I was saying, like, if it isn't broke, don't fix it. Because I think um, with these franchises like John Wick and Deadpool and Fast and Furious, they make tons of money. Oh, yeah. So I don't think they're really incentivized to change it. <laughs> and I don't really know how much they really need a tweak or a change. But um, I just think it's really interesting because I never really thought about it before. Because, you know, before someone tells me, I never really think about the directors and, like, what their mark is on the movie. But with these guys, I feel like they leave their mark and I can, like, now that knowing who they are, I can be like, yup. This was done by them? That was, that yeah. was them. Like, the way they, the way they shot, like, it's actually kind of funny you say that. I was, I was going back when I first heard about them and I, I would catch clips later on, on, like, YouTube and stuff like that. I was watching mm-hmm. Red routinely. Yeah. They're, uh, retired extremely dangerous <laughs> and that was that was done by them too and yeah. i'm like oh my god how did i not see this before like yeah. the way that they do the it's a lot of the fight scenes especially from the korean intel officer um he's using a lot of kali and uh the way that they're doing trapping like the the new snake eyes movie is going to be done by them too 
Oh man, and and yeah. that's the thing too. Even with the trailer, you could just tell it's just written all over the movie, like, right? But not necessarily a a bad thing or detrimental thing. But yeah, I just think it's really interesting that I can just tell now that it's them. So before we go on, there's a couple of honorable mentions to the to the group uh, eighty seven eleven. Number one is uh, Jonathan Usebio, who's uh, known as Uncle Jojo by the team. I don't know why. That's just his name. He directs Black Panther, and our like the in terms of fight choreography, fight, fight choreography. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he shows up in in Kung Pao when um, and there's a an eerie with him. He's like, yeah, Chad told me to do this, like fling around some uh, some nunchucks and then do a front flip and then trip and fall on my chest. Problem is he was falling on concrete and he do that like ten times. Oh jeez. Yeah. Um. But he's he's fine and everything. But it, he shows up in one scene for like two seconds when uh, the main character is like messing around with the eyeballs. So you can go back mm. and look that up. Uh, Heidi Moneymaker. That is her actual name. Uh, she doubles for uh, Scarlett Johansson in all the Marvel movies. Okay, so probably even for this uh, Black Widow movie that oh yeah just she, came out. She totally did. She's she's one of I think two or three, but she's one of the big ones. Uh, and then uh, Daniel Bernhardt, who is, it's funny because he was supposed slated to be the next Van Damme. He's actually a former Swiss model. Hmm. Yeah, um, very good. He's done a couple movies. It ended up not working for him, so he became a stunt guy. He shows up as an assassin in the show Barry. Um, <laughs> yeah. I love that show. You've seen it? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, he's the assassin. Yeah. He goes to assassinate a dude, and he finds out that guy has a daughter. Mm. That guy, the father of that daughter, is Daniel Bernhardt. They had like a whole little fight, like kind of a little drag out. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so he, uh, that girl has like a champion karate fighter. Because she attacks him. Yeah. Like in the she next attacks, scene. She attacks Barry. But, uh, but yeah, Daniel Bar- Bernhardt shows up in there. Daniel Bernhardt shows up in literally everything 8711 does and is immediately killed. So mm. it's it's kind of like a funny trope that they do that he kind of uh, just brings it back further and further. He also is the third agent in the Matrix movies. He's okay. the tall agent who uh, I'm trying to think. He fights on the on the freeway in the second one, but you can't miss him. He was in Bloodsport too as well. He's the main character. And the last one I have in terms of honorable mentions is for you. Actually, uh, there's a guy named Jeremy Marinas who's our age by the way. Uh, and I'm watching Community and the first, like one of the, in the first season where they have that huge schoolyard fight. Uh, what, what was uh, the pillow fight or was it a paint fight? I don't remember. It's not the, not the paint fight. I think it might've been the actual fight where like Jeff has to fight somebody. Okay. Yeah. Jeremy's like one of the guys in the, in the brawl. Like he just he has one line and then gets like knocked out or something like that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, those are just like cool things for me to to notice. Uh, real quick, let's let's talk about the whole point of eighty seven eleven. Yeah, because I like how they um, even brand themselves as like because um, it's easy to you know just get thrown under choreographed company, but they call themselves like action design. Yeah, which I really which I like. Saw. Yeah. yeah, I saw that on the website and I. I felt like that was a different way to um, brand yourself or yes. market yourself instead of just like the stunt guys or something. Yeah, because you know, I think it's I think it's evolved a lot because I feel like stunts were you know 
you do a couple scenes and then you're out. Yeah. But then like you look at some of these movies, like especially like something with Michael Bay or any of the superhero movies, there's like a good portion of the movie where it's just like all action sequences. Yeah. And I feel like that's what these guys, you know, they do. They design the whole action sequences and for these movies it's like the entire film yeah like that's Wolf is good that's why they're able like that's why they made their own studio because they're like we're yeah. tired of everyone else quite frankly fucking it up so they want to do it like that so yeah the like the main points of 87 11 it's like train the actors work with the stunt doubles you'll make the action look superior realistic enjoyable and even safe for everybody mm-hmm. heidi moneymaker actually trained halle berry when she was working one to fight and also with the dogs in John Wick oh, 2. Oh, John Wick 2. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's just a fun there. Uh, you build a great relationship and then it lasts for later projects going forward. Uh, they don't really do the shaky camera, the overabundance of cuts. And they try to go for the oneers, which is where so like they, they like it's very, it got really famous in the Daredevil first season. Oh, in, yeah, yeah. In the Daredevil. In Daredevil, <laughs> the first season, it's like the Facebooks or right. something. Uh, when he's going after the Russian mob or in the hallway, yeah, the hallway, Ooh. the hallway one scene, yeah, yeah, that's the number one, as well as like the third season where he's trying to get out of the prison. That's all. That's a oneer. Oh, with the uh, the Punisher. Is that uh, the one? that was a different one. That this one, he's coming in as Matt Murdock, so he has to, but he has to escape and everything. Oh yeah, okay, it's in the okay. third season, it's hard to miss. And since they're all the stunt guys, uh, David Leach has mentioned Kelly McCormick, his wife. Who has who's a producer and had all the great connections. So because of that, they're able to, you know, get meetings with Michael Bay and whatnot and, and do all that stuff. With the right directors to position themselves. Exactly. So knowing the right people is really the heart of this episode. <laughs> um, it, it really is. Uh, it's kind of safe to say. Yeah. If they didn't, they wouldn't be where they are. Oh hell no. Yeah. yeah, and that's not a knock on them. No, or no. their talent level. I mean, that's that's realistic for across the board, everybody. Yeah, yeah. So, eighty-seven eleven, looking on the horizon. You've done your research, um, <laughs> maybe. So we know they recently were involved with the Harley Quinn movie. That's right. Which is interesting enough. Um, you know, Robert. What's her name? Robo Margie. Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie. Yeah. yeah, she said she needed a break. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's intense. It's a lot. So they're going to still be cranking out the John Wick movies. Number four is on the way. Yeah. I kind of felt like, I don't know, like the original John Wick was so great. The first one was the best. Yeah. Two was good. Yeah. But then I was like, all right, now it was kind of like this indie thing, John Wick. Yeah. that was. And that's what I really praise him for. It was like this indie thing. It's so interesting you say that because Chad on the on the podcast he was interviewed he was like the studio we signed up for is no, more known for their like artsy films yeah and so that's why they were willing to take a chance on us yeah uh, but yeah I, like it's kind of the problem with Dragon Ball Z where they have to keep on hyping things so mm-hmm. much to keep people interested yeah it's like biting off like the world is kind of shrinking beneath you as you do that so then again I don't manage a multi million dollar right. production company so. What yeah. do I know? I was going to say, like, kind of along the lines of uh, Fast and Furious, and I know I keep mentioning it, but, you know, it's relevant for this podcast. But, it like, is. if you think about the first Fast and Furious, it was kind of like a indie kind of cult classic kind of feel to it. you like, okay, a movie about cars racing. I mean, Tyrus Gibson still still yells all the time. <laughs> but, yeah, he definitely is there. 
but then it's like it evolves you know it gets the fan base and then like the studio and um i'm pretty sure they're connected to a like really wealthy studio that's funding them to say hey we want more john wick we want more keanu reeves so it's kind of feeling like uh, when are you guys gonna kind of cut it yeah but we'll take john wick four but it's kind of like when does it end yeah that's the thing too like donnie yen's supposed to come in it too which oh like, yeah see, here's the thing like yeah. it kind of becomes like a like oh god and then but it's kind of one of those moments where you're like yeah. you sigh but you're like do i want to see another movie with donnie yen yeah, yeah. <laughs> do i want to see another movie where rocky shows up yeah yeah, because even when they brought in like Lawrence Fishburne for yeah. John Wick, you were like, "Oh, that reunion yeah. is, is subtle." But uh, yeah, I was like, everyone just knows, but no one says anything. Right? It's it's a there's a part of you that it's just such big fan service that you don't mind. Yeah, you look the other way. One thing with Harley Quinn, uh, there's a scene where she jumps on a guy's like knees and breaks them. That was Daniel Bernhardt again. Just FYI, that was him performing it. That was him performing. He was the driver for Cyanus, uh, and then yeah, yeah. he gets his legs broken, and that was Daniel Bernhardt. So, like, everything he's in, he gets killed in. I just saw that on the list, so I remembered it. And then it's interesting you put it in here, because now that I know, I'm, I might have to go watch it, because the trailer even had a feeling of, like, it could be these guys, but nobody. Oh, yeah. With the guy from um, Better Call Saul yeah. and Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. Like, when I saw it, I was like, this is such an odd movie. For him? Yeah, for him. Yeah. And then it's like the action sequences. I'm like, huh, it could be interesting. But I've heard nothing but good things. Yeah. There was something interesting he said. He's like, I didn't want to get Hollywood buff for the movie. Mm-hmm. And so he didn't. He's just kind of like a comedy. So, oh, my God. Uh, Bob Odenkirk is his name. Yeah. And and he's a comedy writer. He wrote for SNL. He wrote for, he worked with Farley. I didn't know that. Yeah, like that's why it's such a weird movie because he's this New York. Um, I think I don't think no, I think he actually grew up in Chicago, but he spent his time in New York and he's known as a comedy writer. And like, why is he beating and killing people? Yeah, what was going on? Um, <laughs> but it's so odd. Yeah, it's like it kind of like attracts you to it in a way. Yeah. But another movie along that that got that same feel, just kind of based off the trailer, um, that Kate movie that's coming. Yeah. It's got the, I forgot her name, but it, it's basically about, she's an assassin that is poisoned and now she has to figure out like what to do. And yeah. she goes to her, I think she goes to somebody for help. It definitely got that Hannah atomic blind kind of feel. Yeah. But uh, one thing we keep mentioning, Ghost of Chishima. That's right. So like, Chad is slated to uh, to be the director for that. And that's perfect. I think he'd, he'd be great for it in terms of fight choreography and whatnot. And it's kind of cool because it's the game we've been talking about since the beginning of this <laughs> podcast, if you've been following. And yeah. and uh, apparently the guy who did the mocap has been raising his hand like crazy to play the main character. So that, mm. that'd be cool. Like the face mocap and everything. Okay. So I think one of the lines that I saw is like, I'm, I'm willing to get butt naked and, and get out of the steam baths. Because there's parts in the game yeah. where you go to the steam baths and you like, there's this like cinematic of you just seeing his ass walk out <laughs> and walk in. And he's like, I'm ready to do that. Just tell me what to do. Just tell him what to do. Oh, um, man. So Highlander reboot. I don't know if I want that, but you know, yeah. To each his own. I mean, I could see it like having good action, but that was, yeah, I'm kind of cringe about that as well. I'm like, I, if yeah. they do it, they better do it well. I got you. Yeah. I had like Henry Cavill. Oh, yeah, yeah. Him and Witcher. At first, it didn't seem like a good idea, but perfect. 
he's a big nerd too. Oh yeah, he's like he like builds his own PC and I almost think he was talking about Warframe at one time. Warframe, yeah, the yeah. that's been going around the internet lately. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, about him saying like that's the wrong background. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> You know, it was interesting. You mentioned the Count of Monte Cristo uh, in the beginning. He's a little kid in that movie. Is he? Yeah, he's the he's Edmund's. He's the main character's son, um, oh. and they, that's him as a teenager. I had to go back and look at the credits, and I'm like, holy shit, that's him as like a like a barely out of pimple. Who said we don't know what we're doing? We right? tied it all back to look the at beginning. that eighty-seven eleven. Thank you. I mean, we got to end it like that. <laughs> right. That's the thing. <laughs> we got to end it. Yeah, this was a this was a a bit all over the place, but uh, definitely something that I I'm really happy you wanted to do too. Um, and thanks for thanks for doing it with me. Absolutely. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. I hope you guys go look up eighty seven eleven. Check them out. Get to know the guys behind your favorite films. Yeah, and then learn like that's your own documentary right there. Man. Go for it. Cool. Thanks for listening. Hey, fan peeps, thanks for joining, and as always, we appreciate any feedback. You can follow us on our Facebook page, They Need a Hobby, and also at Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Hopefully one day we'll find a hobby and maybe even be one of the cool kids. Peace. As it being me... There, chair goes racing by. That's right. We're talking about stunts. <laughs>